I want to wish all you dads a happy Father's Day. We're here to celebrate you. We're here to thank you. We're here to honor you for all that you do for us, the love and the energy and the time that you give to us, and you keep on giving. Special shout-out to uh, Father John Hathaway, who, as a new member of his brood, John and Catherine gave birth. Yeah. Gave birth to Nathan Grant on Tuesday around 8 o'clock. Statistics uh, weighed in at uh, 8 pounds, 6 ounces, and 21 inches long. And they're just filled uh, with joy, and we're filled with joy uh, for them. John's our worship leader here at Springbrook, as well as one of our overseers. And uh, these are the top five things that John is never going to say to Nathan, okay? Number five, your mother and I are going away for the weekend. You might want to consider throwing a party. Number four, no son of mine is going to live under this roof without an earring. Now quit your belly aching and let's go to the mall. Number three, you know, son, now that you're 13, you'll be ready to start dating. Won't that be fun? Number two, I notice that all your friends have a certain hostile attitude. I like that. Well, how about that? I'm lost. Looks like we'll have to stop and ask for directions. Yeah. You don't hear that coming from John or any other man. <laughs> well, there's a lot of challenges with parenting. It's expensive. The U.S. Department of Agriculture to study each year to figure out how much it costs to raise a child. The average is around 12000 So if you figure that over 17 years, that's like $200,000, not figuring in inflation. Yeah, now you know where all your money's going. And it takes a lot of time running here and there and doing all kinds of things for your kids. And uh, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of energy, no doubt. But you know what? There's one thing that is the main challenge of being a parent. We're going to talk about that today, and these are biblical principles that we all can apply uh, to dealing uh, with children, uh, even if they're not our own children. Maybe we're uh, grandparents, maybe uh, we're friends of the family. Uh, yeah, we can minister to kids wherever they're at. A lot of people here are ministering to children on Sunday mornings and Saturday nights as we Teach them the Word of God. So let's uh, look at this father factor. The father factor. What is the problem with kids? Well, the problem with kids is that they're little sinners. They're little sinners. Psalm 51.5, David states about himself, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We believe that life begins at conception. We believe that abortion is wrong for that reason. God infuses life in the reproductive process when, again, conception takes place. And at that point also, unfortunately, the child receives a sinful nature, again, passed down from his parents, that uh, capacity to sin, that desire uh, to sin. And that creates all different types of problems. In fact, the Minnesota Crime Commission says this, Every baby starts life as a little savage. That's a great pet name for your child. Hey, little savage, come here. 
Uh, he's completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants, when he wants it, his bottle, his mother's attention, his playmates' toys, his uncle's watch. It's all about me. Uh, deny him these once, and he seizes with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. Interesting to think about. Uh, he's dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, and no developed skill. This means that all children are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy each want, every child will grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, and a rapist. I wouldn't send this quote, congratulations card, to uh, new parents. Uh, it's true, but you don't want to necessarily uh, you know, send them this information at that time. The point is, is that we need to civilize our children. We need to teach them right from wrong. We need to give them strong morals. We need to help them to understand how to get along with people and honor people and obey the law and respect authority. Now, we are a civilized society, but it's not enough to civilize our children. Because even if you civilize a child, it's not going to change their heart. And their heart is sinful. And that creates all kinds of problems in their life. We read about how sinful our hearts are in Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? We watch people from day to day. We watch the media. And uh, we see, yeah, there's a lot of sin out there. People doing stupid things. It's stupid to sin when you think about it, isn't it? Think about Anthony Weiner over the last couple of weeks. Oh, my. I mean, here's a guy, bright political future, wonderful wife. Been, been married only a year, uh, expecting a child. And he goes out and does stupid things. What's that all about? Well, he's sinful. And we need to realize that, that we have a deceitful heart as well. And we can get so easily carried into all types of sinfulness. And carried into uh, bitterness towards someone who's hurt us. And hatred can consume us. Or we can be filled with greed for, for stuff and put that at the first place in our life or put pleasure at the first place in our life. Let sexual lust take control of us. Let the sinful patterns in our life lead to uh, pornography addictions, emotional, physical affairs, those different types of things. Uh, yeah, we struggle with sin. And the biggest sin that we struggle with is selfishness. Selfishness. It's all about us. And when we're focused on ourselves, we're not caring for the people that we need to care for because it's all about us. We struggle with sin, and our kids struggle with sin. So what you do is you have a child who has this internal drive to sin, and on top of that, you have external pressure to encourage them to sin. And that, of course, is this culture 
that we live in. A culture that's been designed by Satan with Satan's values because he wants to tempt us to sin. He wants us to emerge ourselves in sin. Neil Postman wrote a book called The Disappearance of Childhood. And he talks about the fact that 150 years ago in the United States, people grew up on a farm. They lived as adults on a farm. They died on a farm. And, you know, within a controlled context like that, you can keep secrets from kids. You know, it's good to keep some secrets from kids. There's a lot of things kids cannot handle mentally, emotionally, spiritually until they reach a certain age of maturation. And so we keep secrets from kids. We don't tell them everything about the world. It would freak them out. And when it's right, then, then we tell them more about the world and how they're going to have to live in the world and how they're going to have to deal with certain things in the world. And back in the day, there were a lot of controls. And so therefore, when it was the appropriate age, you could tell the child about a certain aspect of what they were going to face in the world, and they were ready to take that. But the problem is, is because of media especially, when you look at way, way back to radio and uh, TV and movies and now the Internet, these secrets that these kids weren't supposed to know about, they're learning about earlier and earlier in life. These secrets are spread over the daily talk shows. They're spread over primetime TV. They're on the news. They're everywhere. How can you protect your kids anymore from the secrets that they shouldn't know that mess them up? They grow up way too fast. They start thinking like adults, dressing like adults, wanting to be adults, and really they need to be a child in order to have a healthy development in their life. Well, certainly we live in a depraved generation, but we need to do everything we can to protect our kids, what they watch on TV, uh, the movies they go to, Internet filters, all those different types of things. But you see what you're facing? You have a child who as his drive to sin, and you have this world system that's saying, go for it. <laughs> that's a real problem. So what do you do? What's the solution? Well, let's look at the father factor. We've talked about the problem, sin. Now, what is the solution? Well, the solution is found in the gospel, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. That is the solution. We just don't civilize our children. We let God transform our children. We want a heart transplant for our children. We want to put a new heart within them. And we need to lead them to the knowledge that they're sinners. And... and they can't earn a relationship with God. And that's why Jesus Christ came down to pay the penalty for our sin in order that we might repent and accept that free gift from God. The essence, the core of God's love for us, the gospel and Jesus Christ, what he, his work on the cross and his resurrection accomplished for us. That's where we need to have our children go. I was in Rockford recently where I grew up and I was at Swedish American Hospital where I was born 
And my son Wesley, who's 18, we were going up to like the ninth floor, and I stopped at the seventh floor. And I said, Wesley, this is where it all began. This is where I was born. And Wesley was just so excited. He took out his camera phone, and uh, he was looking for the plaque on the wall and things like that. No, he said, Dad, let's keep going. <laughs> that, was my, that was my first birth, December 8, 1961. But I tell you what, my most important birth took place five years later, in 1966, three miles away from there in my boyhood home, when my mother told me about the gospel, told me about the love of God, told me about the sacrifice of Christ and his resurrection. And I made the decision to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That was the day that I had a heart transplant. That's the day my life was transformed. That's the day that has guided my life ever since then. And I'm so grateful for that day. I'm so grateful for my mom and dad and the godly home that I grew up in. And friends, that's the solution. That's your first goal is to help your child learn about who God is, how much he loves them, and how they can deal with their sin problem through the application of the gospel. So, we have the solution, a heart transplant. So how do you do that? Well, you start early if you can, and you get Bible picture books and other types of things, and you teach your kids about the Bible and you start introducing these concepts about who God is and who Christ is and the cross and those kind of things and, and you wait for the Holy Spirit to guide you for that right timing that right timing now for me it was five other kids it's 15 whatever I mean you just never know uh, it's a journey that they take but you continue to pray and you continue to do everything you can to facilitate the process and, and you get involved in a church and and sometimes that decision takes place without you involved, maybe in a youth group setting or maybe in another setting, but you just continue to strive to see that happen through the power of God. Yeah, You don't want to push kids into it. A lot of people want to do that. Don't push kids into it. Make sure they have a real uh, important or a very clear understanding of what the gospel is before they make that decision. Uh, so, again, that's something you just need to pray and work through. I do have some gospel presentations that uh, the URLs are in your program. And for elementary age, there's a great Flashpoint presentation or Flash presentation uh, that you can look up there, and you can go through it or you can take your child through it. Very clear presentation of the gospel. And for teenagers, there's a video. Uh, and if you think that might be helpful uh, for your kids to watch, you can do that. But just to get you thinking about, okay, how can I encourage my child to come uh, to the Lord? Now, we have a major outreach going on this week. I'm so excited about our Vacation Bible School. Laura Schwab, our children's director, does a wonderful job, and she's leading the charge with so many wonderful volunteers. And uh, this is outreach week here in our family. And you need to be praying every day uh, because kids are going to be presented with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Pray that lives would change pray that kids would learn and we still have i don't know 50 spots open so if you don't have your child enrolled in vbs hey you need to do that okay 
It's $35 for the week. You can go back and sign up right now, walk in uh, tomorrow morning, uh, and invite your neighbors. Go around with the uh, insert you have there in your program and invite your neighbors to come out and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, That's what we're all about, spreading this good news around. So let's uh, get engaged uh, with this outreach. Well, the solution, first of all, is to have a heart transplant for your kids, to see them come to Christ. But then the second thing is you need to have heart training. Heart training. So once a child has come into relationship with God, they still have that sinful nature. They still have that sinful drive in their life, but they have a new heart. So you need to train the heart to become stronger and stronger, that new nature, that new capacity God has given them to follow Him. You've got to strengthen that heart in order that through the power of God, the sinful nature might be put in its place. And that's a process. That's instructing your children in how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And you need to put your primary energies there in instructing your kids. Now, I know a lot of you guys are saying, well, you know, I don't know a lot about that. Uh, so that's my wife's job. That's somebody else's job. That's the church's job. Now, I can, you know, help out and teaching the kids and how to take care of a car or do things around the house, uh, play baseball, those kind of things. But I, I stay away from things I don't know a lot about. Well, Dad, you can't stay away from your kids' spiritual life because they need you. And I know you might feel inadequate. I know you might feel like you're not the right person for the job. But you're the only person for the job. You're always influencing your kids, Dad, whether it be negative or positive. You're always influencing them. And if you fail to engage in their spiritual lives, you're going to influence them in a negative way, communicating to them that spirituality is not important. And studies show that men have an incredible influence over their kids. Let's look at some of them. A study done about fathers, 25% of the people that responded out of 7,000 said that their father was absent, just out of the picture. 27% fathers who were gone most of the time. 18% they had fathers who were emotionally absent. 15% fathers abusive in some way, sadly. And 15% said they had a healthy relationship with their father. This was done years ago, so who knows what it is today. But the point is, is that fathers struggle with their relationship with their children. And we need all the encouragement and guidance that we can get. And that's why I'm so glad that you're here today and that I had a chance to review these things. And the Lord spoke to me about how I need to improve in, in being a dad uh, to the three wonderful boys that uh, God has entrusted to me uh, and my wife. So you have a critical role. In fact, uh, another study showed that if you are engaged uh, in a church uh, with your child, and uh, you continue to do that uh, throughout their childhood, there's a 70% chance that they're going to continue that type of practice in their life. If they're going to be with a body of believers, they're going to make a tremendous difference uh, in their lives, throughout their life. Now, if you're not engaged in a church with them, let's say just the mother is, the stats go way down in terms of them continuing that pattern of behavior. And I don't want to discourage single moms or moms who come uh, without the 
dads, uh, you guys, God's going to bless you. But the point is, dads, is that you could not play this game. You could not not play this game. That's what a tattle okay? okay, you've got to be engaged or your kids are going to suffer. Well, let's look at Ephesians 6.4, which gives us some guidance about how to be a dad. Fathers, it says, that's your role, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So what's our job? We're to train and instruct. Training carries that idea of discipline, and we don't have time to talk about that today, but if that's an area you're struggling with, I encourage you to go on the web and put Christian discipline or Christian discipline of teens, whatever issue might be. Uh, and instruction is what we're going to talk about, is how do you teach your kids about God? It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. That's the first thing he says. That's interesting that he states that first, because we can be exasperating. Uh, Amen. I know I, I, I can be exasperating uh, to my kids, and uh, sometimes I come home after a long day, and I'm tired and maybe upset about something, and, uh, you know, one of my kids does something wrong. And I just let him have it. <laughs> I just am so frustrated. You know, how could you do that? And uh, all that emotion kind of spills out on them. And uh, I've had to apologize many times. Uh, you know, we're, we're human. Uh, but the important thing is that when you make a mistake with your kids, you apologize. You say, hey, I'm not perfect and I, I need your forgiveness. Uh, in this area. There's a lot of ways you can exasperate your kids. Uh, you can drive them toward achievement. Nothing wrong with challenging your kids, but so many parents drive their kids so hard in relationship to achievement that kids just don't want anything to do with it. I mean, they want to check out after high school and I don't to do with their mom and dad or, or they go passive-aggressive on you. It's appropriate to challenge your kids, but don't over-challenge them. Don't try to fulfill your needs through them or live vicariously through them. That's very dangerous. It's wrong. Another way we can exasperate our kids is by playing favorites. That's easy to do, right? If you have a very obedient child and a very disobedient child, which one are you going to have more positive feelings toward? <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, you know, uh, you got to really be careful with that because it's so subtle. Sometimes how we play favorites, and we just ask the Lord to purify our hearts and love each kid uniquely, just the way that God made them. I think one of the most important, or one of the most uh, uh, serious things in regards to exasperating our children is criticism. Criticism. Now, it's okay to constructively criticize your kids. That's part of the parenting process. But when you let loose on your kids, when you let loose in anger, and you start to tear them apart. You start to devalue them. You start to say things you'd never say to anybody else. When you start to call names, when you start even to swear. Oh, you don't know what you're doing to your kids. You don't know how you're crushing their spirit and how you're impacting your relationship with them. So if you have any of those tendencies, you need to repent of that, and you need to to get some counsel and encouragement if you can't control it uh, from your uh, standpoint, uh, but do something about it. Don't do that to your kids anymore, you know? Take a time out, you know, if you're about to lose it, you know, walk outside. But don't say those things to your children. 
so detrimental, so painful in wounds that sometimes last for a lifetime. Paul tells us about being a dad and speaking to the people of Thessalonica. He said he treated them like a dad. For you know that we dealt with each of you as the father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So, what did he do? Encouraging and comforting. When I think of my dad, he's 87 years old. He has encouraged and comforted me so much throughout my life as I've gone through difficult times. He's always been there for me. He's been my rock, and uh, he continues to encourage and comfort me. Now, we've gone through a rough patch because my dad has Alzheimer's. He's had it probably for about five years, and about five, six months ago, it got to the point where we knew we couldn't have him live alone anymore. I was providing a lot of support, but uh, he just needed to go to a nursing home. And my dad is incredibly stubborn. Oh, mercy. <laughs> so, you know, I battled with him and, uh, you know, <laughs> tried to convince him that this was the right thing to do. And finally, I had to go after guardianship. I had to go to court. And uh, we were finally able to get him in Lexington Healthcare facility in Lexington, uh, excuse me, in Lake Zurich. And he's been there for about three weeks, and uh, uh, he's not very happy with me, uh, no doubt. Uh, it's a painful thing to go through, and, uh, you know, he's in a safe place now, and he's in the right place, but uh, you can pray for me. <laughs> uh, and pray for him, that he'd be able to adjust over time. But the reason I talk about him is because. He, he, he's playing an influence, even in my life now, in a positive way, in so many ways. And so for those dads here who uh, have adult children, and sometimes when you sit through these messages, you just feel guilty. Oh, I should have done that. I should have done this, that kind of thing. Uh, hey, listen, God never meant, you, meant to have you walk around guilty, okay? If, if you did sin against your children in some way, you need to repent need to go to God and say, Lord, I messed this, messed this up. I didn't do this part of fathering properly. And possibly you need to talk to your children and repent to them and say, I apologize. Now, again, if you have a strained relationship with your adult child or no relationship whatsoever, you're thinking you're crazy. That's never going to happen for whatever reasons. But God does miracles. You need to have an open heart. And you need to start praying. That's the first thing you do. <laughs> That's the most powerful thing you can do in relationship to your children because you've got to realize that the Holy Spirit is always doing an inside job on your kids. Now, you teach them, but it's not like any other teacher. It's not like mathematics or English. I mean, when you're teaching them English, it's not like the Holy Spirit is, uh, you know, interpreting, one might say, like it is when you're teaching them spiritual things, okay? So that's a great thing. Your children can be rebellious. Your children cannot be listening, but they cannot escape the Holy Spirit. They can escape you, but they can't get away from the Holy Spirit. All right? So if you're dealing with a difficult adult relationship, just start praying. Start talking to other people who have struggled in that way, and they can give you counsel uh, from the Word of God. But, but do something. Just don't let it go on the way it is. Now, if you do have a healthy relationship with your adult child, Keep on influencing them because you're going to continue to influence them whatever, no matter what you do because you're, fa you're their father. The father is just an important, important role in a person's life. And so therefore, you need to continue to love them and 
encourage them. If they'll take guidance, give it to them. <laughs> You're going to be sensitive about that, uh, you know, as they grow older. And uh, love their grandchildren, or love their children, your grandchildren. You know, just, just dote on them and visit them and, and uh, sacrifice for them. And just buy them all kinds of good gifts. And uh, most importantly, teach them about the gospel. Teach them about Jesus. Teach them about God. Because sometimes your kids aren't doing that, right? And I tell you what, I know so many of you, and we have so many awesome grandparents in this church. I just hear the stories. I hear about grandparents taking in their uh, child's uh, children, right? Of course, that's becoming more and more common in our dysfunctional society. And these, these grandparents are just making incredible sacrifices. And I'm so impressed. And they're wonderful models for me when I get to be uh, that age. Uh, so way to go, grandparents. Let it go. You're continuing to, especially father, uh, your children in that way. Your influence never, ever stops. Now we go back to verse 12 in Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, encouraging, comforting, and here's the third thing, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. That's your primary responsibility, dads. You need to urge your kids to live for God. You need to challenge them. You need to remind them. You need to be their coach. You need to be their spiritual coach. And again, you might say, well, you know, I know how to coach baseball, soccer, football. I don't know how to coach spiritually. Well, you, you just have to be a little farther ahead of them. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, maybe the best thing that you can do, or I know the best thing you can do is if, well, number one, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never embraced the gospel, you need to do that, right? You can never lead your kids spiritually if, if you don't know Jesus. So you, you need to make that decision, as we talked about. And, and then secondly, you need to start growing. The best thing you can do for your kids is to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. The closer you are with Christ, the more dependent you are upon Him, the more you are walking with the Spirit, the more impact you're going to make on your kids. The investment in your spiritual life is going to impact your kids and generations to come. Wow. That's a good reason to get to work spiritually in your own life, right? Because you can't urge your kids to do something you're not doing. But again, you don't have to have that much information, okay? Maybe be a couple years ahead of them. Obviously, you're an adult and those type of things. So, guys, don't feel overwhelmed. Just say, I'm going to take one step, and I'm going to give you a lot of steps here, all right? So, the first thing is this classic passage in Deuteronomy that we're going to look at. Uh, this is called the Shema, uh, the verse uh, 4 and 5. This was stated every day in a Jewish household. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's all about God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. It's all about Him. It's all about loving Him. And when Jesus Christ summarized the whole Old Testament, He encapsulated it. Uh, he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. That sums up the whole law. You need to teach your children to love God and love people. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. That's your job. To impress on your children. Not just so they know it mentally, but that they feel it, that it's 
a part of their value system. That it's what they live out day by day. It's the way they approach life. Verse 7 gives instruction on how to do this. Impress them on your children. The word in the Hebrew is the idea of sharpening a knife over and over and over and over again. That's the way you need to teach your kids about God is over and over and over again. You know, kids, sometimes they just don't get it. And you have to remind them about an area of their life over and over and over. <laughs> A year later, you're still reminding them, right? <laughs> you know, that's the nature of what we're talking about here. You just need to saturate them with the love of God, with the truth of Scripture. You need to just surround them with it as much as they'll allow you to. Uh, because that will be the key to living for God and having the type of life that God intends us to have. Impress them on your children. Work at it. It's a job. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So when you're sitting at home, again, the teachable moments, kids whether they're two years old or 20 years old, they always have life issues, right? We all have life issues. And, and it's that point of felt need when people are most teachable. When a person has a problem and says, I need an answer for peace of mind. I want to solve this. That's when they're teachable. And that's the opportunity to say, you know what God says about this? And just tell them what God says about it. And if you don't know what God says, ask somebody who does, all right? And get some guidance for them, show them that God has the answers. God has the wisdom. Fathers, teach your children that God is the answer. Teach them to depend upon God. As they come to you with issues in their life, just take a moment to pray with them. Say, let's pray about this. You know, God is the only one who can really make this happen. He's the one who can help you. So let's pray about this. Just spend a moment in prayer, as much as they can take. <laughs> You know, but, but just think if you did that just once a week with your kids throughout their entire growing up years, you think that'd become a pattern in their life that every time they had a problem, what would they do? They would pray first, right? See, that's a very simple thing, right? Just teach your children to pray. And that's the idea of just continually reminding them, continually teaching them about how to approach life. Have devotions with your family. Spend time studying God's Word. Now, we here want to partner with you in helping your children to develop spiritually, but it's not our main responsibility. It's your main responsibility, guys. You're in charge. God has given you leadership in your home. And again, it's not hard. For example, here's a website, and they'll email you devotions for your family. Uh, keys for kids. It's great for elementary age kids. And all you have to do is have it emailed to you. And, you know, after dinner, sit down and say, okay, we're going to study God's Word. And you read the passage. You read through the devotional. Talk about it and pray. Hey, that's easy to do. I know it sounds, you know, overwhelming uh, because it's uh, foreign to some. But dads, you need to lead your family. Just start having devotions. Make a goal, okay, three times a week, whatever. But start doing it and say, hey, this is important. 
Our family is all about our relationship with God and the truth that reveals Him in this book. So when you sit at home, and then when you walk along the road, well, if you do that, that's great, but typically you might be in a car. And the great thing about that is you have a captive audience, all right? Now, sometimes we have trouble with our teens communicating uh, with us. And, uh, you know, what we can do is use that time in the car and say, listen, I'm happy to drive you to your practice, your rehearsal, whatever. But you know what? How you can bless me? That during this drive, you can tell me about what's going on in your life. Okay? No, fair. that's not fair. Okay, I tell, I'll make a deal with you. You can either talk to me or pay for the gas. That's fair, right? <laughs> now, I know this doesn't work in every situation, but I'm just trying to think creatively about how to engage with your kids, how to get them talking, how to get them talking to you. I've done with my kids. I said, okay, if they don't tend to engage me in conversation, I say, okay, I'm giving you this ride. Give me two questions. Okay, ask two questions about my life. You know, you teach kids how to talk to people. You teach kids how to relate to people. You teach kids about everything. What a privilege to be a parent. What a privilege to be a dad. And we all typically need to give more time and energy to it. God has entrusted this precious child or children to us in order to impress on them what life is truly about when the world is feeding them filth. It's exciting. Exciting to see God change your children. When you lie down, it says here, that's a great time, especially for little kids, to cuddle up with them and, you know, talk with them and, uh, pray with them and tell them things about God. We read on. It says, uh, in verse 8, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and your gates. Uh, what's he talking about here? Well, back in that day, what they would do is they would uh, take a very small piece of parchment, maybe one inch by one inch, and they would write in minuscule letters a certain passages of Scripture, and they would roll it up, and they'd have these tiny little canisters made of wood or metal, and they put it in the canister, and they would put it on the doorpost of the house, and every time they came in the house, they touched it. Why did they touch it? Because they were acknowledging that this house is ruled by God, that God is the Lord of this house, and that His Word reveals Him, and Many times they'd wear it on their clothes or different parts of their body. It was a way of reminding them that God is number one, that this book reveals who God is. And that's what we need to do in our homes. We need to teach our children that living God's way is the best way. And we need to prove it to them in our own lives, and we need to help them to discover it as they grow. And as they mature, think of all the godly values you want to teach your children. How to make God center of, center of your life. How to deal with relationships. How to make good decisions. How to stand alone. How to handle finances. How to work through conflict. It goes on and on. And again, friends, the more you grow, the more you walk with Christ, the more you're empowered by Him the more of a desire you're going to have to touch the lives of your children. So here are some practices. And again, don't be overwhelmed, okay? I don't, <laughs> there's a lot of information, 
All right? So if you're thinking, hey, I want to do something, but I can't do all that, that's okay. I understand. Just pick one thing. Here are some things that you can think about. Praying for your children. If you're not praying for your children, who is? Hopefully grandparents, maybe. But many times, if you don't pray for your kids, nobody's praying for your kids. And they need prayer. Teachable moments we talked about. Family devotions. Encourage time alone with God. You want to train them how to have a, a daily time with God. Uh, so you do it with them first, and then you just kind of let them uh, go on their own, solo. Involvement in weekend worship and church activities. This is so critical. Many people say it takes a village. Well, I say it takes a healthy church family <laughs> to raise a child. And I grew up at Temple Baptist Church in Rockford, Illinois, and uh, I was about three miles from my home. And Oh, it's just such a wonderful place with wonderful memories because it was a place like Springfield, filled with wonderful, godly people, people who taught me, people who loved me, people who were concerned about me. It was a community of believers where I grew up in the midst of that I was valued and I was encouraged and I was loved and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And I just I just urge you parents, if Springbrook is your home or you have another church home, just engage yourself within the body. Make church a priority every single week. It's just something you do because God is the center of your life and He's called you to be worshipped here. If you have kids, Awana, Jam for junior hires and Thrive for senior hires, make sure that they're out. You know, our kids, uh, two of them are sitting right back there, uh, Brian and Wes, uh, 20 and 18, uh, they never had an option about going to church. <laughs> it was never an option, Okay. All right? And that's just the way we raised them. And they turned out pretty well, I'd say. <laughs> uh, the, the point is, is that you just make it a priority. You say, hey, this is going to happen. All right? Now, I know every situation is different, but, and if you're midstream, it's different. But you know what I'm saying? You know, you got people here who want to love your kids. You, you can go to soccer practices. You can go to all types of dance things and theater and those are all good things friends but they're not going to be encouraged and challenged spiritually like they'll be here i'll tell you that that's why you need to make this place a priority that's why you need to engage and let's look at the next portion here uh, deuteronomy six ten. when the lord your god brings you into the land now this is again after he said this is what you need to teach your children because when the lord your god brings you into your land he swore your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Friends, there's a tendency for us to forget. And if you don't lay a, a, a sound enough biblical, spiritual foundation in your children's lives for the practices that we've talked about, there's a good chance they're going to forget. They're going to go into adult life. They're going to have the money. They live in a great nation. And they forget that God is the one who provided it all. And God should be the center of their lives. We're in a battle. 
Satan wants your kids. Satan wants your kids to spend eternity separated from God. That's why we need to teach them the gospel. Then after they become a Christian, Satan can't send them into eternity without God, but he can make their life a disaster with sin. That's why we need to train their hearts so they might grow spiritually and strong to say no to temptation. And if you can't do that, Satan just wants to, wants to keep distracted, busy with everything that's going on in life. I don't have time for God. I don't have time for a body of believers. I mean, if your daughter came home and said, listen, there's this guy who's uh, pressuring me sexually, what would you guys do? Oh, man, I don't want to hear. <laughs> All right? You'd be on top of that. Or if your son came home and said, yeah, this guy is really, you know, pressuring me to take drugs. What would you do? Well, friends, you got Satan. He wants your kids. And dads, my question is, are you going to get in the game? Are you going to start protecting your kids? Are you going to start teaching your kids? Are you going to start doing what God has asked you to do? Because your kids need you. They need you spiritually. They need your spiritual protection, your spiritual nurture, your spiritual support. And again, don't feel overwhelmed. Start where you're at. Well, I tell you, we have a great men's ministry here at Springbrook. I see Dick Schmidt down here. He's involved in that. And uh, Come out of the men's breakfast. Come out of the men's small groups. We'd love to help guide you in this process of... Uh, Becoming the father that God wants you to be. Here are some discussion questions that you can discuss with your wife or another person uh, that has influence on your kids. Uh, those are in your message notes. Now, here are some next uh, steps. And we always try to encourage people to say, okay, what am I going to walk away with here? So take out your communication slip. Again, now you fill that out, uh, your information that you were here today and other things. Uh, and again, there's numbers under the name. So, number one, you can circle this. If you desire, I will dialogue over the discussion questions with my spouse. And that's a good idea. Take some time to talk about our strategy of raising our children to love God. Number two, I'll start regular devotions with my family. That's something, oh, we haven't done that before. I'm going to start doing that or we're going to start doing that again. Number three, I will make church involvement a priority in our family. Maybe you're not there and you say, okay, we're going to commit to this this summer. Number four, I'll invite a child out to VBS today. All right, go to the neighbors. Say, hey, listen, we've got a great thing going on. I want you to be a part of it. If we could have all our dads stand at this time. All dads in the room, if you could stand, I'll pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for these men. I want to thank you for all that you're doing through them. I want to thank you for everything they do for their family and for their kids, the long hours they work, <laughs> the problems that they solve, uh, the lost sleep, uh, the, the burdens they bear for their kids. And my prayer is they wouldn't walk out of here guilty. They wouldn't walk out of here saying, I can't do that. My prayer is that they would walk out saying, okay, <laughs> I, I, I want to become even more engaged than I am. And certainly that's true of myself. I've been very challenged by this 
message that I've given. I need to continue to step up as a dad, and I pray that would be their desire as well. Wherever they're at in their journey, they take some step this week to love and honor their children. Lord, we pray that uh, they would be encouraged today, uh, that they would feel honored uh, for all that they do. God bless them. In Christ's name, amen. You may be